a podcast from Echo, a student ministry at Victory Family Church. We meet every Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. For more info, check us out on Instagram at echo.victory. Good morning, Echo. How is everyone this morning? Oh, wow. I see we fell back to sleep. I'm going to ask one more time. How are we this morning, Echo? All right. So we got a pretty even amount. I was going to ask you guys to slide together, but I don't think we have quite enough room for everything. So, oh, we, we got some moving over there. All right. If you guys could just squish a little to the side, we'll move this over so that I, can we move this over so I'm just kind of in the middle. All right. How many here have seen me or know me? I haven't been in a Sunday Echo group in a long time, probably about a year. So if you don't know me, my name is Miss Becca. I have been part of Echo since the very beginning with Pastor Ben and Alyssa when they first came on staff. And prior to that, I also helped with Ignite Infusion, which is what Echo was prior to that, was fifth and sixth grade. So I have been with your age group for about seven years. So I love you guys, and I am so honored and excited to be here today, okay? So we're going to talk about faith and how to receive by faith. So if you could, let's close our eyes. We're going to pray before we get started in the word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that it is to have a place like Echo, that we get to come, we get to hear your word, we get to serve you, we get to worship you. We just ask that you be in this place today. God, that you would speak your word through me. And that everything I say and do would bring glory to your name. God, I pray for every student that hears this, God, that they would have ears that are open, hearts that receive, God, and that we would move in action to what you put on our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Who's going to camp? Do I have anybody's registered? Oh, wow. We got a good group in here. Who's been to camp before? This isn't going to be your first time. Okay. So we got quite a big group going. All right, so when you go to camp, do you go with an expectation? Are you expecting God to show up and do something amazing in your life before you go to camp? No. What? Get out of here. God shows up at camp, right? Okay, so God can show up in this room every week just like he does at camp, and that's what I'm expecting for today. All right, so I want you guys to have expectant hearts because God has something for each of us, and we don't have to wait till we get to camp to meet him. He meets us right here in this room. All right, so you guys ready? All right, good. I got a response. I like it. Response is a good thing. It keeps me motivated. All right, so we're talking about faith. Does anybody know who the father of faith is in the Bible? It's a man named Abraham. All right, and God took him through several areas of his life where he had to have faith. And so before we get started, we kind of need to define what faith is. If we're going to receive it by faith, we need to understand what faith is. So our very next slide is going to give us the Webster definition and the Bible definition of what faith is. So the Webster definition says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. The Bible definition comes out of Hebrews 11.1. And you can see it up there. It says, now faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, if you look up there, there's one word that's the same in both of those definitions. Do you see that? The word confidence. 
Confidence is both in Webster's definition and in the Bible definition of faith. And what confidence means is the quality of state of being certain. That means we're not doubting, right? If you're certain about something, you know that you know that you know that it is. So it's the quality or the state of being certain. So we're going to read the account of Abraham out of the book of Hebrews. So in Hebrews, it's a quick synopsis of Abraham's life. And if you really want to read it and get to know more about Abraham's life, you can go into Genesis, and it starts at chapter 12. So I'm going to use paper because I can't see out of my Bible. It's very small. All right, so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Could you imagine God called Abraham and said, pick up everything and go. Leave everything that you know, leave everybody that you know, and go to a foreign land. But guess what? He didn't know where he was going. He just had to go until God told him that was the place to go. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So in that part of Abraham's story, he didn't know where he was going, and he wasn't seeing what God had promised him. He was looking for an eternal place that God had given him and told him what it was going to be like, but he wasn't seeing it in the natural. He just knew that it was there and he had to follow the voice of God. Verse 11, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, and so a whole nation came from one man who was as good as dead. Do you know how old Abraham and Sarah were when they finally had Isaac? Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90. Does anybody have a great-grandparent or a grandparent that's like 90, late 80s? Could you imagine if it was your grandma who's that old, walking with the big belly, getting ready to have a baby? That's crazy, right? So his body was surely as dead. But God still used both Sarah and Abraham to have Isaac. And so a whole nation came from this man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore, there were too many to count. So out of them having Isaac, the nation that God had promised Abraham came to be. So wide that it's like the stars in the sky that you can't count because there's so many of them. And all, could you imagine counting all the little sand on the seashores in the entire world? That's how numerous his generation is. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Gentlemen. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Do you guys know who Bernie is that plays on the worship team? He's over here playing the guitar this morning. Okay, that's one of my sons. I've got four kids, and you probably see them back here often. But Bernie belongs to me. And do you know Isaac was about his age when this happened? And God said, take the boy that I gave you that is going to be where your descendants come from, and I want you to sacrifice him. 
Do you think if I took Bernie on an adventure and told him we were going to make a sacrifice, but I didn't take a lamb or anything with me, that he'd be kind of like, Mom, what's going on, right? He's old enough to understand that. And I'm sure that's kind of what was going through Isaac's head. Like, what are we doing here? We've done the sacrifice thing countless times. We always take the lamb with us. But God provided. So Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. And here was the cool thing. God provided the lamb when they got up there. When they got to the place where God had told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, off in the thicket was a pure lamb. And that became the sacrifice that they put before God. And God said, no, I just needed to see if you were willing to lay down the thing that I gave you. Did you trust me enough? Did you have faith that I was going to provide? So we're going to move into what can we receive by faith? Okay, and our next slide is going to have an acronym for the word faith. And these are the things that we can receive by faith. First and foremost is the forgiveness of sin. Who in here has asked Jesus to come into your life and be the Lord and Savior of your life? Were you there the day he died on the cross? Did anybody here witness that? No. But you have faith. You believe that it happened. Even though you didn't see it, you know and you believe and you have faith that God provided that through his one and only son. Acceptance. Knowing who you are in Christ. We are called the sons and daughters of Christ. And I bet there are times in all of our lives that we don't feel that way. Right? So it's by faith that we have to believe the promises, the things that God has given us in the word, to know who we are in Christ and accept and believe those things. Impossibilities. Healing. Provision. Anybody have a family member or a friend who has an illness, maybe a really big one, like cancer or an autoimmune disorder, something that affects their daily life? Okay, I see a couple hands, right? Okay, so we go to God for those impossibilities because in Isaiah it says, by his stripes we are healed. He gave us a, pros- he gave us a promise. When he died on that cross, he didn't just give us salvation of sin, but he also provided healing for each and every one of us. Treasures, the blessings that are undeserving. We are so fortunate to live in America. Do you know that the poorest person in America is 10 times richer than most people that live in other parts of the world? There are people in the world that don't have food, that go days and days because they've got to walk to get their water. We have so many blessings, and and everybody in this room, I bet you have so many blessings, but then you might look at somebody else and go, oh, well, I don't have what they have, and I didn't get to go on that vacation. But sometimes we forget that the blessings that we do have are we don't deserve. God gave them to us because he loves us, because he wants us to enjoy those things. And finally, the Holy Spirit, the gifts that he provides. So in Galatians chapter 5, it tells us what the gifts of the Spirit are. They are love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. How many people in here are morning people? Notice my hand is not up. I am not a morning person. So who wakes up with love in their heart and they want to be your best friend in the morning? Me, if I don't have my coffee, don't talk to me because I need time to kind of wake up, right? So the fruit of the Spirit, it comes in and we should be exhibiting those things all the time. 
And when you ask Jesus to come in your heart, the same time that you asked him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, he also gave you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is, he's called your helper, he gives you those things. So I'm going to tell you a story, okay? A story about healing in my own personal life. All right, so back in 2015, I got a phone call, and it was from my mom. And she said, I don't want you to worry, but we have to take your dad to the emergency room. So do you think I listened to her and didn't worry? No. So prior to this phone call, my dad had what was called kidney failure. And this had been going on for several years. And they had him on a transplant list. Now, his kidneys were still working, but they knew that eventually they were going to stop working. And so they put, he, had a he has a special blood type that has to have a very specific donor. And so it wouldn't be easy to find him a donor. And prior to this, me and one of my other brothers actually had been tested to see if we would be a viable donor. Because in your body, you have two kidneys, and you only need one to live. So you can have what's called a living donor, somebody who will give you one of their kidneys. So both me and my brother Wes had been ruled out because we had some medical issues that it wasn't healthy for us. So I get the phone call. My dad's in the hospital. I get to the emergency room to find out that his blood pressure had dropped. Now, miracle number one was when he went home, his intent was to go home and go to sleep. Fortunately, my mom kind of works in the healthcare industry, and when she got the phone call, she came immediately home and found him and said, something's not right, we got to go. When they got to the hospital, they found his blood pressure was so low that had he gone to sleep, he probably wouldn't have woken up. He probably would have died in his sleep. So we get him to the hospital. In the process of this, when your heart rate, your blood pressure goes down, you, what you, your potassium levels go up. And these potassium levels finished out his kidneys. It destroyed the rest of his kidneys that were working. So now we had no option. Now he either had to have a transplant or he had to go on a thing, what's called dialysis, where you go to a machine three or four times a week and they run your blood through it and it, it's really hard on the patient. So when he came out of the hospital, and the plan was dialysis. And we, he had to do this for about six months. But in the meantime, I have a younger brother, and it, they can go ahead and put up the first set of pictures, who decided to go and get tested. And guess what miracle number two was? He was a match for my dad. He was one, healthy enough, and two, he was a perfect match. His blood type was perfect. Everything that needed to happen medically, he was a perfect match. So the first picture is my dad in the hospital the first time, and the second picture of my dad there is when he was going in for his transplant. Or no, he was getting the dialysis stuff, and th those third pictures there are the day that they actually had the transplant. So my brother over here gave one of his kidneys to my father so that my dad would have more years on this earth. And let me tell you where my dad is today. He's 76 years old. And he's kicking and he's living and he's breathing. And one of the things that we prayed for is that that kidney that came from my brother would become one with my dad's body. And today I can stand here and tell you that my dad is on the least amount of anti-rejection meds, which is phenomenal because you have to take medicine so that your body doesn't reject that organ. And he and my mom, on a regular basis, go to a place in Trenum, and they work in what's called a soup kitchen, and they 
feed people who might not have food every day, and they give and they serve. And so we went from him laying on his deathbed to today he is serving on a regular basis for Jesus. And if you go to the next slide, you'll see what all he has to live for. Up there is me and my brothers and my dad and all of his grandkids, my family. This is what God did for our family. Isn't that amazing? And some of the people that were here last night, yes, give it up to God because it's all his glory. My dad actually got to come last night and hear this testimony. It was awesome. So that's really big, right? We might not all have that big a thing going on in our life that we need God to come in and heal, right? But God even cares about the little things. So just the other day, my oldest daughter, Lillian, had a recital, and she needed a dress. And oh, my goodness, I'd worked all day long, and she kept dragging me from store to store to store, and outfit to outfit to outfit. And I like to shop, but I was done. And we couldn't find the right one. And this is going to sound really silly, but we had a half hour or an hour before the mall closed. So we had to get in the car and go to the mall because we weren't at the mall yet. And I said to her, I said, we just need to pray. We just need to pray that God is going to give us the right dress at the right time for the right price. So just as simple as I said it right now, I grabbed her hand in the car, and I said, Heavenly Father, you know the desire of our hearts. You know you have a purpose and a plan for what Lily was getting ready to do, and we believe, we have faith, and we trust that you're going to provide this dress. And you know within five minutes of the very first store in the mall that we went to, we not only found the dress, but it was a $50 dress that I got on sale for 10 bucks. So it was super exciting, and then I even got to buy her some jewelry. So the point of that is to say it doesn't have to be a big, big thing. God cares about the little things, and he answers those just as much as he does the big things. So now that we've talked about what faith is and what we can receive by faith, now we have to talk about how do we receive by faith. So the next scripture comes out of Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 26. And I took it out of the amplified version because it gives a little more context. And it says, Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. Not sometimes, right? Not when it looks good. Constantly. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance with God's will. So how many people are asking a mountain to move? Do you need a mountain to move? Right? No. No. So what that is is imagery, right? It's not really a mountain, it's we're telling that thing that's in our way, that disease, that, that financial thing, that feeling bullied, that feeling not a part, that thing that is a part of our lives that is, is hurting us, we're telling it to move according to God's will. Believe with confident trust, there's that word again, confident, that you have received them and they will be given to you. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Drop the issue, let it go, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. So this verse tells us what we need to do in order to receive by faith. Number one, we have to speak to our mountain. 
Again, what does that mean? We speak to the thing that's in our way, the disease, the money troubles, the friend troubles, the loneliness, the depression, whatever it is that is part of our what we're going through, we have to speak to it. Do you think if I talk to it in my head, it can hear me? You think so? I don't think so. Not God can hear us, but not the mountain. So we have to speak with our mouth. And I'll tell you, as an adult and a seasoned Christian, I struggle with that. I feel silly talking out loud to something, right? But you have to make yourself talk to it and tell it, it must go. Then you have to not doubt. Do you ask God for something, and yet in your heart there's a little bit of doubt that he might not show up? That maybe it isn't what he wants, so he's not going to do it, right? The scripture says we cannot doubt but believe in our hearts. And then it tells us that we have to forgive those who have wronged us. Is that hard sometimes, especially if you're right, right? But we have to do that so that God can forgive us. So we have to be willing to forgive so we receive that same forgiveness that he wants us to give to others. But finally, the most important thing, and this goes back to the speaking part, we have to do it in the name of Jesus. There is no power in my name. If the worship team wants to go ahead and come back out. There's no power in my words. The power solely comes from the name of Jesus. When he died, was buried, and rose again, he, gave all the, he had all the power. It's through God. And if we go into John chapter 14, verse 13 through 14, it says, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So when he answers our prayers, it's because the glory goes to him, not to us here on the earth, not to things, not to doctors, not to anybody. All the glory goes to him. And it says, yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So when we talked about receiving by faith, the very first thing we talked about was salvation. And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you may not even understand everything that I'm talking about. And so in its simplest terms, Jesus came, he died on a cross, and he bore all of our sin, all of our shame on that cross. He was nailed to it at his hands and at his feet. They even talk, talks about how he wore a thorn, a crown of thorns on his head, and how a spear went through his waist. But he didn't do that just to do that. He did it for you and for me because he bore the sin of the world. Every sin you've ever committed or you're going to commit, when he was on that cross, he was the ultimate sacrifice. And if everybody could bow their head right now, and you can hear my voice, and you are not 100% sure that you've asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. And when I count to three, I just want you to gently raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to make a spectacle of you. We're going to pray together with you, but I want to give you the opportunity to ask Jesus to come and live in your heart so that when you walk out of this room today, you know that you know that you know that you will spend eternity in heaven. So if that's you, when I get to the count of three, I want you to just gently raise your hand. One, two, three. If there's anybody, thank you. I see those hands. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anybody else? 
anybody else, you're not 100% sure and you want to walk out of this place knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus. All right, I'm going to ask everybody to keep their eyes closed and their heads down. And we're going to say this prayer together. And I want us to say it together as a family. I want you to say it bold and say it loud so that the people who are asking Jesus in their heart for the first time don't feel like they're alone. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we want to do this together with them. So Heavenly Father, a little bit louder. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came and died and you sent Jesus to, to be raised from the dead for my sins. And I ask you right now to come into my heart, to cleanse me from all my sins, that you would be the Lord and Savior of my life, and that today I know that I will spend eternity with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's clap for all those that made that decision today. That is awesome. All right, so there's a second part to this, okay? And I want a moment of quietness, but I want you to think, is there something that you're struggling with? Maybe you're needing healing in your own body, or you have a family member that needs healing. Or maybe you're struggling with not feeling good enough. Or maybe there's something going on in your home. Maybe your parents are fighting. Or maybe they're even talking about divorce. Or maybe they've already separated. And I want you to bow your heads real quick again for me. And I just want to show a hands. If you're struggling with something right now and you're believing God, you want faith, you have faith, that God is going to show up on the scene, that God is going to give you what you need to get through this time, I just want you to raise your hand again. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you have something going on in your life that you need Jesus to show up on the scene. Okay, there's a lot of hands going up. So we're going to go into a time of worship. And I want everybody that raised their hands, and even if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to come up to the front. And I just want you to worship Jesus. And we're going to have leaders up here that will pray for you. If you want prayer, you come to any one of us leaders that are up here, and we will pray for you.